Mets fans, I want to take a quick break from talking baseball and let you know about the next top prospect in building a smart home. Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 is that big time new star prospect. The Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 is a smart lock, a 2K resolution camera, and a doorbell. It's three devices in one, triple the security. You know triples are rare in baseball, but not with Eufy. You can have everything in one device rather than install many pieces on your front door. It's not just for security, but also for convenience. Just the other night, I had tons of packages in the rain. Rather than fumble for my keys, I easily entered my home. This is big since I have four dogs who are impatiently waiting for me at the door. No more concerns about losing keys, and you could assign passwords to your family members. Worried about when your loved ones are getting home? Eufy allows you to see them coming back home via the integrated camera. Hey Mets fans, this is a home run. I had a competitive product before Eufy, and it's the difference between a one-dimensional hitter and a five-tool player. Eufy is that five-tool superstar. Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com to learn more. Already sold? Go to Amazon and get your Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 today. Want to go to the store? Best Buy will have it starting around May 20th. Get complete control over your front door at ease with the Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 today. Mike Rowe here with a radical idea. If you want to see more companies make more things in this country, buy more things from more companies who make things in this country. I refer in this case to the incredible t-shirts, sweatshirts, blue jeans, and more made by my friends at American Giant. Everything American Giant makes is made in the United States. And right now, you can take 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com slash Mike. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike. The Mets, they made a decision about an hour or so ago. And I don't think it's a great surprise to anybody. Uh, Bodie Van Wagenen had not hired Mickey Calloway. He was only making $850,000 a year. I guess the Mets uh, thought they had a 92 to a 93 win ball club. Uh, either that's if Diaz was any good, but, you know, and obviously they did not win 92-93 games. They won six less and did not make the postseason. The media is not in love with Callaway. He's lukewarm in the postgame. The moves that he move, that he makes as far as big games are concerned, you know, a little confusing. You know, a, a lot of strange decisions in big spots. And the media in New York, they love to analyze the game. Me too. And when they see those kinds of things, they sort of jump on the manager. And I get all that. So nobody's going to go out there and go crazy that Callaway somehow was unjustly treated and was fired here and really wasn't, you know, how, how dare they? Nobody's going to argue with that. Callaway is not going to generate a ton of support for media or fans. Fans could sort of take him or leave him. Media, for the most part, could kind of take him, or take him or leave him. I think he deserved to stay. He did a heck of a job with this team this year. Team played really hard for him. They won 86 games. They had a great second half. He had no bullpen to speak of. You gave him Chapman. They would have won 95 games and be in the postseason. And Callaway would be getting a contract extension. So let's put all that in the mix here. But, you know, we're going to give the Mets a little benefit of the doubt here by this firing today. Here's where they don't get a benefit of the doubt. They don't get a chance now to hire somebody that nobody's ever heard of or with no experience. Carlos Beltran, that's a sexy call, but, you know, he's got no postseason experience. He's never managed a game in his life. That means anything. Same thing with the Rojas, who they have heard of. Well, the Astro, uh, you know, uh, assistant to Lynch, uh, to a Hinch, down to Espada. I mean, I don't, uh, I don't want to hear about him either. If you are now the Mets and you decide that Callaway is not your man, which you have a right to decide, and again, nobody's going to go crazy. You can't bring in a guy that's got no managerial experience that nobody's ever heard of, who's making $700,000 a year. Go out there, get Girardi. He's won a championship. 
Go get Buck. He's played, he's won three different franchises. He's done a superb job. Go get Joe Madden. Make an offer. He's won a championship. That's what the, that, that's if you want to be fair. You're in New York City. The Mets always get a little hesitant about spending money on everybody, including free agents. Here's your deal. You're allowed to fire Callaway while nobody's saying a word. I get that. And I know you don't like writing them a check next year for 850 grand. I get that. But you cannot bring in a manager who, again, is making no money with no experience. You must bring in show, uh, Girardi. You take that job in a minute. You mu- Showwater, take that job in a minute. That's who you have to hire. Simple. Dusty, you want to throw him in there? Gibbons, go throw John. Go ahead. But you have to bring in a guy now who is going to cost you a little more money, who has some experience, who has won in big spots. That's who you, what you have to do. But see if they do that. Be very interesting because they're not going to want to write those checks. Uh, they, they do not want to do that. We will see if they do that. I feel bad for Callaway. He deserved better here. It wasn't his fault. But the Mets, are, oh, the, uh, Brody deserves the right to bring in a guy that he wants. The Mets did 86 wins and not in the postseason. wasn't his fault. The bullpen was awful, and that's Brody's fault. Brody's fault. Cano stunk. Uh, but bottom line is, bring in a manager who's got a ring on his finger, who has managed in some big games. Let me see you do that. It's another edition of the Talking Mets podcast here on this Friday, October the 4th, 2019. Of course, I'm your host, Mike Silva. You can check me out all the time at the TalkingMetsPodcast.com. Send me a tweet at MikeSilvaMedia. And the best way to listen to this podcast is on Apple Podcasts. And we are now on Spotify. Uh, welcome in, everybody. As promised, after uh, the podcast on Sunday to cap the 2019 season, we would come back to you. I'd have uh, a podcast to address whatever the decision that was made regarding the status of Mickey Calloway, and it's very rare that you're going to hear a clip by Christopher Mad Dog Russo, that one from MLB Network in High Heat, and I'm going to sit here and tell you I agree with him 100%. Now, it may not have been the most erudite <laughs> clip about Mickey Calloway, the firing of Calloway, and what the Mets have to do going forward, but... It's a pretty good synopsis of how I feel, for the most part, about what needs to happen going forward. Now, I'll start off by saying this. I don't particularly get crazy about managers and and when they get fired, nostalgic or, you know, not that I'm happy for anybody losing their job, but feeling bad because this is a business, it's cold, it's a results business, and... If to move forward and be successful and get the results that you want, just like in some of you out there, some of your businesses, you you sometimes have to make decisions that are are difficult, even if they're nice people. With that said, and I don't know Mickey Calloway, but I've had conversations with those that have covered him, who have had conversations with him. I know you've heard Rich Catino on this show, 9870 ESPN's Rich Catino, and I really feel bad about Mickey Calloway getting fired. And I think he's a nice guy. I think he came in here probably not realizing what he was getting himself into. I think his intentions were there. 
Um, he made mistakes. But I'll tell you what, over the last you know four to six weeks of the regular season, and it didn't have anything to do with him winning, I don't think, but I felt that he was more comfortable with the media. I thought he was more comfortable, with, especially when he was on with Mike Francesa. And I felt he was um, more honest and answered questions a little bit better than maybe at other points during his tenure. He still made mistakes. I know his in-game managing was at times head-scratching. But I laugh because I sat here for seven years with Terry Collins and I saw a lot of head-scratching things go on and I don't remember quite the same outrage about that because I kept getting told the manager doesn't matter, that the in-game decisions of a manager doesn't matter or they matter very little when it comes down to the overall scope of the job. But be that as it it may, Mickey Calloway is gone and uh, the Mets will be searching for a new manager. And this is now the third... October, where there'll either be a GM or manager search, a second manager search in the last three years, and and that's not good for stability. So joining us in just a little bit to give his take and give us a take not only about what his thoughts are on this move, but also some of the player reaction, because he was one of the only writers that was able to get some player reaction right away. And on the record player reaction is uh, Rich Mancuso of New York Sports Day. So he'll join us in just a little bit. And we'll get Rich's take. And he uh, he got J.D. Davis on the record. He also spoke to a couple of the players off the record. But J.D. Davis went on the record about his feelings and his support of Mickey Calloway. So there's one person who, I'll give you a hint, probably is not going to be too thrilled that Mickey Calloway is no longer the Mets manager. Now, reading through all the somewhat corporate speak that was out there by Brody Van Wagenen and Jeff Wilpon and trying to understand why this decision came to play. I think there, at least it sounds like there was an actual desire for the Mets to bring Mickey back and maybe give him the support while he continued his learning curve on some of the deficiencies that were his uh, specifically in game so that they can potentially put him in a better chance to be give him a better chance to be successful in 2020. It sounds like there was discussion about that. If I had a guess, that's probably coming more from ownership than from the GM or the GM's cabinet. I do not disagree with Russo what he said in that opening clip. Brody Van Wagenen has the right to want to bring his own guy in. With that said, I also think you have to look at things critically and see where the team is at. And if this team connected, and there was some dissenting off-the-record quotes by, and specifically in the New York Post, by players who said Mickey wasn't in the clubhouse, uh, that Mickey, um, you know, maybe didn't connect with the players as well as we have been told. So there were some of those out there. But you got the feeling that this team had a special togetherness and was starting to uh, build something here. And the manager was part of that. You can't just say it's it's his fault when they lose and not give him any credit when things started to go well in the second half. And by changing that, you're starting, as I said on Sunday, you're starting fresh. You have a new voice. The players are going to have to get used to this new voice. There's going to be some of that learning curve. I don't want to call the innocent climb, like I said, because 
if unless they make wholesale changes. And off the bat, it sounds like they're going to be bringing a lot of the same cast of characters back. You heard about Syndergaard and Edwin Diaz coming back. Uh, they have spring training to get to know each other. So it's not an innocent climb. They've been together. But they're going to have to get to know their manager. And that, to me, is, uh, you know, a curve. There's a learning curve with that. And there may be some... Uh, there may be some tough times earlier in the season. It's always uh, a team has to learn together and grow. The season is all, is always about getting you know out of the gate. You like to get out of the gate fast, but you're almost feeling things out until you get to that middle to late part is when you take off and you really come together and you see what kind of team you have out there. So that luxury that the Mets would have had with bringing back consistency with Mickey, and even if they change the staff a little bit, that consistency now is gone. So Van Wagenen, and, ha- and, I, and I, again, I understand he has a right to his own guy, but sometimes I think it's more about, is th- you know, critically, is this the right move at this time for the GM to make? But I understand it. Now, you decided that it was going to be clumsy or it wasn't something that you wanted to do, or maybe it was risky to try to work with Mickey, bring in a better bench coach, maybe have him work with your analytics department. Uh, with the in-game strategy. Now you go out there and you're going to put on an extensive search. And essentially, here's what I'm going to tell you. You can search far and wide for whatever manager that you want. Far and wide. You can bring in 100 people. You could bring in the David Cones of the world and the Mark DeRosas and the John Francos and Joe McEwing and Tim Bogar. You want to interview quality control coach Luis Rojas because you think he's a rising star in the organization? That's fine, too. I don't care how long you take. You want them to get it right. What I will say is there's really only one choice at this point that makes sense. Because whoever you bring in that has no managerial experience is probably just as risky as Mickey Calloway because the only sample size you have is the same sample size that you went out and went off of when Callaway was interviewed the first time. You heard, I don't know if you read it, but John Harper talked about how well uh, Callaway interviewed because he spoke to J.P. Ricciardi, who was in the interviews when Sandy Alderson conducted them two years ago, and how Callaway checked all the boxes. And there's going to be somebody that we don't know right now or somebody that doesn't have experience that may do just as well, if not better than Callaway. But the only thing you can do now, you're in a win-now mode. You took a manager that was probably growing with the team. You have to now go with an experienced voice. Now, the big names out there and the names that can take the New York heat, I believe, and really bring credibility and really diffuse some of the uh, media narrative or the risks that come with even an experienced non-New York person. Uh, look, there's guys who are experienced like Mike Matheny and Brad Osmus and, you know, uh, Clint Hurdle, who probably was a better candidate when Terry Collins was hired as a manager and the Mets went with Collins. There's those names that are out there and those are lesser of a risk than an unknown. But really, the only names, the three that come to the top, that float to the top, that you have to make the favorites. And if they want to be interviewed, and it sounds like they do, 
you have to make them the three favorites unless something way out of whack comes to play. And that's Joe Girardi, Buck Showalter, and Dusty Baker. Because any one of those three will bring you credibility. Now, you may ask, Mike, who do you prefer out of all three? Well, that's a tough question because Showalter and Girardi are alike. So you really have to figure out you know, who's more equipped at this point in their career to manage the modern game. I think Girardi probably is the answer there. But Girardi and Showalter is very, are very alike. Dusty Baker's a different type of guy. I think Dusty Baker's more of a communicator and a guy that's a people person, maybe less of a guy that is addressing the in-game management concerns you have. But all three have success, and all three have managed teams through you know, maybe talent deficiencies and, and have gotten great results. You know, don't forget, Girardi had some teams before he was fired, before the 2017 ascension, that weren't rebuilding but were in somewhat purgatory because they had aging veterans that maybe he got them to do a little bit more than what they could should have. Buck Showalter took a t- over a team in the Orioles that was the basically the 62 Mets in terms of wins and losses and turned them around into a very good team the back half of that season. He took an expansion team and won uh, over 95 games. And I know they lost to the Mets and he was fired before they won a championship, but they were instant contenders at expansion team. And yeah, he wasn't successful in Texas, but they weren't all that bad either, the Rangers, when he had them. Showalter is a detailed guy. Showalter is going to bring structure. He's going to bring discipline. Girardi's the same way. Both of them are going to have the same knock. Maybe they're a little too rigid. Maybe their game plan is a little bit more old school than it is new school when it comes to bullpens and starting pitchers. And maybe they don't change on a dime. And maybe they're not as collaborative with the front office. And I'll say with all due respect... And there was a great article a few weeks ago about Adam Gutridge, a young, statistically oriented member of the Mets front office. I don't want Adam Gutridge and his, his statistical guys running the game. They want to provide information. They want to put put together uh, reports. They want to give some information that the manager could consider. That's fine. I don't want them being the final say because that's borderline absurd if that's going on. And I don't believe it is. And if the owner or the GM is making them a bigger say in in-game management and the, and the direction of the team and the moves they make, they, then that's that's not good. Dusty Baker is a different story. Dusty, I think, can motivate a group. I think they'll rally around him. I think he'll be able to handle the media. He'll be prickly with the media. All three of those guys are not going to take nonsense. Let me tell you, the party's over for this beat group. The jokes, the nonsense, the poking, that's over. You think three of the, those three guys are going to put up with it? They're not. So hopefully you enjoyed 2019 and the the amateur show that went on at times. Because those guys bring credibility. And I think with Girardi and Showalter, and Mets fans aren't going to want to hear this, with Girardi and Showalter, they're going to inject a little bit of that Yankee excellence that may pain you to hear, but that they've built over the years. You know, 1995 and the culture they built starting in 95 and what they did in 96 really springboarded them into that 90s dynasty. And they've been feeding off of that ever since. And that's why they really haven't had a downturn, even when things look bad. And you could hate it. And sometimes it's borderline obnoxious and eye-rolling and stuffy. But they're going to bring some of that. And the Mets at times, I've begged, I've pushed for them to leverage that same mindset within the context of 
Flushing, in the context of who they are, the more blue-collar, working-class team in the city. And they never seem to embrace that, or obviously the play on the field or some of the ways that they've run their business have made it impossible to even execute that. But they could use that. And it'll give them the instant credibility with the media that will eliminate some of the noise that comes with managing this team. Steve Phillips has said that this is the toughest job in sports because you have the same expectations in some ways as the Yankees, not the same resources as the Yankees, and you're in the shadow of the Yankees. And you never could get your own spotlight because even when they went to the World Series in 2000, the Yankees were there waiting to play them. And they went to the World Series. The Yankees were eliminated in 2015. But when you lose the next year, you come back, the Yankees are right there, right there waiting for you to compete for the back pages. So you never have this city to yourself. This isn't Boston, where everybody's a Red Sox fan. I'd love it to be Boston, for everybody to be a Mets fan. And it's almost like everybody's on the same page. So you have that dynamic going on. But if you don't go in that direction and you take a risk, or even go to the Mike Matheny route, a Clint Hurdle route, guys that, and I know Hurdle played here in the 80s, you don't know how these guys are going to handle this market. You just don't know. And you cannot take that risk. And you cannot get the answer to that question in an interview. All you could do is speculate. And you could ask Allard Baird and Omar Manaya, and you could go around the league and talk to agents. You're not going to know. You know Girardi's done it here. And you know Showalter's done it here. Even Dusty Baker, to a certain degree, may fall more into the Matheny hurdle experience without New York experience category. So I throw Dusty Baker in there because he's shown wherever he went, San Francisco, Chicago, Cincinnati, Washington, his teams have been successful, and he's turned them around quick. Chicago, Cincinnati, and even the Giants were a losing team before he came there. And Washington, even though they weren't a losing team, they were an underachieving team when he took over after 2015. In the two years he was there, they they did everything that a winning team would do. They came out, they set goals, they were focused, they won. Maybe they didn't win a championship, but then once you get into the tournament, that's a whole different story. So he, he could knock him for how he manages pitchers and bullpens, and maybe he's not the, the most uh, uh, friendly to analytics-minded uh, people who see moves as zero-sum thinking, but he won. The only guys that have won here and know how this place is, is Showalter and Girardi, and they both have Yankee pedigree, and the Mets really could use that now if they're going to get into this win-now window of opportunity, which could be anywhere between two and four years. So I don't want to hear, I mean, look, you want to interview these other guys, you want to interview announcers, you think you have the next Aaron Boone that you just got to you know, interview with, fine, you take interviews, you do your due diligence, you don't want to hire somebody till after the GM meetings, you don't need a manager right now. You got the GM. He's going to set the team. Uh, you know they're going to set the team together. You're going to hear a clip from Jim Leland later. I picked one up. You know he he believes that you know the, the manager gets the the players. You give me the players, and I'll manage them. And I think each one of those guys fall into that. I think you don't need to worry about them right now. You know you don't need to go out there and 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 worry that you know a manager is 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 necessary for you to make the next moves. You're not going to tailor your team to the manager. Take your time because you hand those guys teams, they're going to find a way to win with those teams. And really, the one that really makes the most sense, and I even said this 
to a certain degree, if he had gotten fired last time before they hired Callaway, is that you got Girardi right there. And he's and he's new to New York, and he does come with some uh, drawbacks. He could be rigid. He could be prickly with the media. But you want to know something? He gets people's respect. He won a championship with the Yankees. And he survived a long time. And anytime you're somewhere 10 years, there's going to be a staleness to the relationship. So maybe some of the things that went bad over the last few years, maybe that's just familiarity. And you know what? I'm sure working for Brian Cash for the Yankees isn't easy either. So I see, now that this move has been made, I see only one way to go. Because if you bring anyone else in, it's like bringing in six of one, half dozen of another, and you have the Mickey Calloway situation all over. And then now, this goes bad. Now you've got to go fire your GM, because now your GM is going to look bad. This is no more... Look, you guys have criticized me at times about how I've defended Brody Van Wagen, and even the moves that may have been questionable. Because I said, you got to give this guy time. He came in in October. He had to learn, you know, go through the front office, learn the nuances of the job. You know, basically go through the entire organization. He, he left for the most part, other than a few changes, one with Chili Davis before the season, then midseason with uh, the pitching coach and some of the coaches. He left the field staff alone and said, let me see what these guys can do. Now he's got to own it. This is on him. And I'm listen, I'm not upset about the move. Don't get me wrong. I'm not like, oh, Mickey Callie was the best manager. My thing is this, if you made this move with the intent to go big game hunting for the big name manager, like those three names I put out there, and specifically I think Girardi should be at the top of the list because of his proximity to how recently he's been in New York, then fine. But if you did this to bring Luis Rojas or Mike Matheny or Clint Hurdle or even a John Gibbons, or worse yet, you go get someone out of the broadcast booth, I mean, I love David Cohn, but I just don't know. I love how everybody's interested in managing the Mets now. Well, John Franco, I'm interested in the job. You know, they've turned it to the point, and the media's contributed to this. They've made it to the point where anybody thinks they can manage because you've been told the manager doesn't matter. Well, the manager matters, and it matters a lot what they do right now because if we're talking about the same garbage next October or the October after that, it's not just the manager we're going to be talking about. It's the GM, and then that's the kind of instability that you see with the Jets, with the Knicks, and you know how those things have worked out for those organizations. All right, let's take a quick break. When we return, Rich Mancuso, New York Sports Day. We'll hear his thoughts. I don't think he's going to be too happy about how this went down. I know he's got some members of the Mets uh, 25-man roster that were not happy either. You're listening to the Talking Mets podcast. We'll be back with more right after this. Have as you have heard today, made the decision to move on from Mickey as our as our manager. We arrived at the decision really after multiple meetings between myself and Jeff, between some of the senior leaders in our baseball operations department, including Omar and Allard, meetings with Fred, and and meetings with Mickey Mickey as well. Uh, this morning, Jeff and I flew down here to Florida to meet with Mickey in person. Uh, we wanted to really have open dialogue to, to hear his thoughts and assessments for, for the team. Um, we also wanted to share our feedback and, you know, our thoughts and, and you know, ultimately our process as we, as we came to, to a decision and, and communicated that decision to him, to him this morning. Uh, in that meeting, 
we felt it was uh, very important to thank Mickey for his work over the last two years. You know, he, you know, specifically we commended him on his perseverance through this season's many, many ups and downs, for which, which uh, again, there were many. And while we fell short of our ultimate goals, Mickey helped us win nine more games this year than we did last year, and he was a big part of our finishing 10 games over 500 this season. He brought consistent work ethic, good attitude, uh, and passion every single day. And, you know, as Jeff and I shared with him this morning, we have no doubt that these characteristics will, will allow him to, to find success in his next opportunity as he draws from these experiences going forward. As we, you know, now look at what the next steps are, we have spent a, a good amount of time, as you might imagine, identifying an expansive list of potential candidates, and we'll start to do you know, detailed diligence on each of, these, each of these people, and we will start to reach out to those people in the coming days as we, uh, as we start to go through our, our thorough and deliberate process. Bringing on a new GM, we knew that we wanted to give Mickey the chance to prove himself to Brody. Um, you know, it, it's, it's something that Brody and the team made a decision on for this year, so that's why this is coming up. You know, I, I think having one year left on his contract was probably a little problemsome because he was either going to be extended, uh, otherwise he was going to be a lame duck, which would have put us into a, a really tough bind with everything. But I can tell you that, you know, we spent lots of time together over the last two years with, with Mickey, and, you know, uh, we all do, and we all spend a lot of time uh, talking about baseball and doing things together. It, i got to tell you, it's not easy to let somebody go, especially somebody you like and you respect, like Mickey. Uh, and he was, he was a true gentleman and a true professional when we met with him this morning. I, I think, you know, Brody's plan for what he wants as a manager played more into it than, than this uh, to help us get to the next level here. And I think, for me, the next level and what I've expressed to Brody and we will express to everybody else is not meaningful games in September, but meaningful games in October. It hurts watching those games on TV right now, and I know our fans want that, and Brody and the rest of the, the organization want that as well. We're back, and uh, joining us, New York Sports Day, friend of the show, Rich Mancuso, and uh, we come to you uh, the day after the Mets announced that Mickey Calloway will no longer be manager, and now for the second time, and uh, well, actually for the, the third year in a row, the Mets are going to be doing a search. First it was for a manager, then it was for a GM. Now they're doing it for a manager again, and Rich is here, and he had some interesting things to say over at New York Sports Day. Rich, uh, pleasure to have you on. Uh, welcome in, and uh, no time off for you. Yankees, boxing. No, I know. The Mets know, yeah. something in the mix here. There's always something uh, when the season ends and then the Mets are uh, a part of this. There's always something going on, yeah. Well, it's nice to be busy, I guess. But, yeah, Mike, it was, uh, you know, it was expected. We're not shocked. Uh, we knew this was happening. Uh I could swear it was for a moment I thought maybe that because of the way the Mets finished up, that, that there was a shot that they'd retain him at least with that final year of the contract in place. But nah, that wasn't going to happen nah, because uh, Mickey Callaway apparently wasn't what they wanted after saying two years ago this is what they wanted to go in the right direction. And, um, you know, I, I, I think it's just further cause to 
say that uh, that the Mets uh, have have issues that they have to address, especially when it comes to a leader in the dugout. And um, I wrote about sure on Sports Day beginning. I did not want Mickey Calway as the manager two years ago because of lack of no managerial experience. I felt Chip Hale would have been a better guy or someone else of that magnitude that had experience and he was just a pitching guru. But then I felt, as you read later on in the piece for Sports Day, that he grew into the job. And most of all, he had that ability to deal with players despite what some guys in the on the beach say that uh, he wasn't the the commonable and wasn't around and more in the manager's office uh, and not around the clubhouse. But uh, that's not what I got. I saw a totally different thing. He grew into the job, made some mistakes, but I thought overall, Mike, he did a good job and should have had, deserved at least to finish off another year and not disrupt the chemistry of this team. Rich Mancuso, New York Sports Day, joining me here, giving his take on the Mickey Calloway firing. Rich, I look at Mickey Calloway, and to me, the in-game moves at times were egregious, but I feel that that stuff is correctable. And I was reading a piece over at SNY by John Harper that Adam Gutridge, their analytics guy, is really driving a lot of things, which I have no problem with information, but I have a problem with somebody if given too much power to be using numbers, especially somebody, and I, and I mean this with respect for Gutridge, that you know is younger and, and, and doesn't have as much life experience, doesn't have life experience, much less experience making the kind of decisions that would drive a ball club. And that's going to be a problem for an experienced manager. But the thing that I think did Mickey in, and it sounds like reading your piece, it's not the clubhouse because J.D. Davis came out in support uh, at least right. what he believed was Mickey's uh, uh, qualities in that piece. But his interaction with the media, I don't know how he interacted with Brody, but it may not have been great. I know he wasn't Brody's guy, but I at least get the impression Brody was open-minded about him. The interaction with the media, with the public face, which the Mets are sensitive about, which is part of the job, was clumsy at times. Sometimes I felt like he made stuff up just to answer the question. It made himself look ignorant. And uh, got a lot of heat for that. And then there was the, the Tim Healy situation, which he's apologized for. But really, I never felt that the media, and you're in that room, I'm not. I'm far away. Uh, I'm a peripheral guy. The media didn't seem to care for him. And I don't know if it was just the beat no. or it was the, op, the column guys. And I don't know why that's the case. Now, Rich Catino and I have spoken on this program, and he feels that they really didn't get a chance to build a relationship with him and make him feel comfortable they did because that was part exactly. of it. You know, Mickey may not have felt comfortable, but there's a reason why the media wouldn't want to get to know someone. What was their apprehension with Mickey? What was their issue? What did Mickey do to bring this on himself? Because he's got to, really, he's got to think about the, his own issues. Here. I, I, I really, I, this is what befuddles me and, uh, uh, don't understand why, there was this thing where the meteor could not adapt to Mickey Cowway, could not get adjusted to him, could not understand him, whatever, the way they wrote about him. Uh, there's really no answer to that. Uh, I just think it's a matter of maybe uh, more so how he responded in his press conferences, getting around the issues of protecting players, 
maybe how he handled the pitching. I just think, and I don't think no more, Mike. I, I, I believe it's this, it's this new wave of media covering a team in New York. It may be, maybe all all sports, but especially here in this market in New York. I really believe that this is the new school, the new wave. I always say new school versus old school. And they uh, they do things differently. And if they're not going to get the answer they want, uh, they're going to develop this type of almost friction or animosity with the manager and themselves. And they never really got to know Mickey, that Mickey got to know them and adjusted to it, got into it and became better at it as we went along. I'm going to give you an example again, as we, uh, the final week of the season, you could see Mickey was more relaxed, whether he knew that he was going to be gone or not. You could see Mickey more relaxed with them, talking more open with them. Uh, sometimes, you know, that's why I don't buy this thing that he did not mingle in well with the uh, the guy, the media, because I saw him off the post-game uh, press conferences talking to some of these guys on the side. And if that wasn't uh, being accommodated or accommodable or whatever, then I don't know what to say. He was, uh, at least with me, I could tell you, very receptive with me and with all of them. I mean, again, we closed shop Sunday at City Field and Mickey Calloway once again stood outside the press conference door and shook everyone's hand again, just like he did last year. Thank you. Thank you for your support. Whatever, you know, I mean, you don't see that with managers in the media at the end of the season, wrapping up a press conference. But uh, so I really don't know what it was, why they could not click with him and why they would constantly attack him. Unless they just think they're so-called baseball experts and and know everything about the game instead of tweeting and uh, not paying attention to what's going on the field. Yeah, I agree with you. Rich Bancuso, New York Sports Day, joining us, had a piece and uh, basically was the only member of the media that covers the Mets that was able to get player reaction. J.D. Davis giving him a quote. So check it out at uh, nysportsday.com. Rich does great stuff. He's been a friend of the show. So now Mickey's out. We move forward. We know that this club had some kind of special connection. Uh, it was the summer of love that Gary Cohen called it. Now, it, it ended – without a playoff appearance, and that's great. And I understand results matter, and Brody Van Wagenen and Jeff Wilpon talked about that. They talked very Yankees-like during the uh, conference call. I'm sure you, you picked that up. You know, October matters. And, and look, I know, second half success, that's not to be measured throughout a full year. You need to have a full baseball season of success. But now the interesting part is you have this wide spectrum of people that are going to be named either, either by the media because they're friendly with them, because it'll be leaked out, because it'll be speculation. And I'm curious the direction the Mets go. Now, I said in my monologue at this point, if you were going to fire Mickey Calloway to bring in another unknown, that is such a huge risk. To me, it's as risky as the reason why they felt they had to fire Calloway was because he'd be a lame duck and because you'd go into next year. And then if you had to um, you know, cut him off, uh, you'd have to, uh, you, you know, you kind of create chaos midseason and you throw another season away. So there is a sense of urgency. You'd have to go with a Girardi. You'd have to go with a Showwater, uh, Dusty Baker. Those are the three big names that are out there. All due respect to Beltron and Cone and Mark DeRosa 
and Luis Rojas or any other, you know, Joe Spot or any other known, you know, I don't want to say no name, but non-experienced manager, I don't think they could go in that direction. I don't think you could rely on the interview. And I guess the way I look at it is, do you, one, agree with that, Rich? And two, if those are the three big names and they all want to interview and they all come in and you and I aren't in the interview room, but we know a little bit about them and there's a long sample size of who they are, where would you go? I'm curious if that two-part question. It's a it's a question since this happened yesterday that uh, I've been dealing with myself, uh, with so many people within the game and the fans in particular. Uh, I really don't know what direction they're going to go with a new manager. You can name all these guys that you just did, and I can name some more. We still don't know. Uh, but it has to be someone that's experienced, and it's someone, of course, that Brody wants. And that's, a, again, which uh, led to all of this with Mickey going, because we knew this eventually was going to happen. Brody wants his own man. He's going to get him. But it's got to be someone that's going to be good with the players, number one. That is so important today, and Mickey was. Mickey was good with his players, as J.D. Davis did say in that comment when I reached out to him yesterday. He didn't cave in. He encouraged us. He kept us going and was always there for us when we needed him. And he could always be reached. He's always accessible. Not like one of the guys on the beat said that Mickey was always in his office and a player probably know a synagogue that he was never in the clubhouse. You know, the manager is not supposed to be walking around the clubhouse anyway. That's their time. The guy, the manager has an office. His door is always open. The players go into the manager's office. It's always been that way. So I don't know why that came out. But anyway, to go back to the point, Mike, uh, experience is very important. Dealing with the media now is even more important here in this market to be a manager. Um, and then you have the case again of analytics, and this is what they're going to look for. And I don't know if uh, a Buck Showalter uh, would be the guy, uh, even though uh, my colleague Joe McDonald, publisher of Sports Day, vouched for him. Uh, Joe Girardi has the New York experience. And then what are you going to pay? What will the Wilpons pay a manager with a name and experience like those guys? And they might be looking from within. Uh, uh, I know uh, De Francesca, De Francesca, who's a Bronx guy like me. Uh, I happen to know his family real well, so I can find out a little more about where that's going. And this is a guy that has some managerial experience. And before AJ Hinch became the manager of the Astros, he was uh, there as an intern base, and of course manages the Syracuse Mets in the organization. He knows the talent, knows the franchise. He could be a dog horse. This could be the next guy. Um, There is a list from here to there. It's a good job to have right now because the Mets are on their way with nice young core. And uh, just who it's going to be has to be a guy that's going to agree with Brody. And it's a guy eventually that Brody's going to want. It's going to be a Brody guy. That's what it comes down to. And he's got to be right, Rich. Listen, uh, this is critical. I have no problem with the Mickey Calloway hiring at the time. I wanted Sandy Olderson to be out of the box. I wasn't a Terry Collins fan. I felt that kind of manager uh, wasn't what they needed. Uh, at the time, Girardi was in the ALCS. or was, yes, the ALCS. Uh, he was under fire from the Yankees fans about his moves, uh, his rigidity. And 
perhaps if the Mets waited a couple of more weeks, they would have had a shot at Girardi if after that Yankees run he was willing to continue, which is debatable. But they felt yeah. they had to move it on Mickey because he was a bright young mind. Um, and I know there's this talk about all these inexperienced yeah. managers that are in the playoffs right now, but Jim Leland talked about this the other day. He made a quote like, you have to start understanding that the manager matters. And I, I saw Puma's co- uh, column at the New York Post with the comments that Mickey wasn't in the clubhouse and that Mickey was a puppet right. in the front office. These are things that are perpetuated by the media about every manager mm-hmm. that's not named Girardi, Dusty Baker, and Watson. Yeah. And this is You're critical right, because right. They, they hired a manager after they fired Collins. They were trying to build on the momentum of 2015. They failed on that in 16 mm. and 17. They, they brought Mickey in. Now they failed on Mickey. Alderson got sick, and, and they really didn't have a, a transition plan there. So they went out and got a creative, and I'm all for the Brody Van Wagen and hire, and I've been defending him. Give him time. You know, you can't just come in in October of last year. And no. all of a sudden, everything's going to be perfect. It's hard. This job is hard even for an experienced person. That's why these guys want to tear things down because it's easy. It gives them job security. Credit the guy that he didn't do that. But now he's on the clock in the sense where you brought in your own front office. You purge the scouts. You have your guys. You, you, for the most part, you would think his front office and it'll probably make some changes you would think this offseason is where it needs to be. Now you're, you, you're creating your own field staff. He's yours. Now he owns all this. I can't hear two years from now, well, you know, now we got to go this way. And that's what will happen if you hire an experienced person. And if you think, and you're in the room, if you think that the media, after they have a honeymoon with whoever gets hired, especially if it's somebody that they like, is going to be patient with them, they'll start in with the nonsense right away. And, and you yeah, need someone thanks. like a Girardi. You need someone like a Dusty Baker, like a Buck Showalter. That is going to put these guys in their place because that's going to be part of it. Because the perception of the team that swirls them, even though I don't think a Pete Alonso thinks about that at the plate, it gets and it's hard to work there. This is a hard place to yeah. work, in my opinion. You've got the Yankee it shadow, really you've got yeah. the media, you've got the jokes, you've got the nonsense, you've got the stigma. Some of it is deserved. They've created that, but this is hard enough here. Steve Phillips has said this is one of the hardest jobs. In, in, in sports because of the Yankees. And I don't disagree with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe the Knicks are right there, 1A. You ne- he needs to be right. And that's why I think they got to go experience. And they got to go with someone who can put everybody in, in their place and say, you know what? I'm in charge here. And I, I know Mets fans are going to hate me for saying this. And I said it earlier. Maybe bringing some of that Yankee aura that a Showalter or Girardi would bring is necessary. Not everything is bad about the Yankees. Yeah. There's a lot of obnoxious things about the Yankees. But not everything is bad. And to me, that's well, where I think they have to go. Right. They, yeah. He has to be right. Yeah. He has to be right. Yeah. And I wonder if you agree with that. I do. Uh, I do. I mean, it has to be right. But, you know, they can't do what they did two years ago, bringing in an experienced guy. It's not going to work. A guy that, uh, you know, like I said, Chip Hill would have been the guy. And I guarantee if Chip Hill was – was hired, he'd still be the manager. You need that. You need a guy that not only is a pitching, you know, Mickey was a pitching guy. We know that all about the pitching, but he learned. He, he, he learned the game and he was able to depend on the other, the others that he had on his side. So it didn't work out. Okay. Uh, but you need someone with experience in this town. I don't think a show Walter or a, or a Girardi would, is what the answer is besides maybe not paying them or not. But 
It could be that, you know, and there'll be clashes. If either one of those guys became the new manager, there will still be this. This is how it is with these beat guys today, Mike. It's not like years ago. It's not like years ago. I go back as far as in the early 80s when George Bamberger was the manager, Frank Howard took over on an interim basis. The beat writers then, when it was all printed, not social media, there was no tweeting. There was none of this. I go back then when the manager in place had a camaraderie with the media that was unbelievable. And I could tell you, we'd go out with the manager. We'd go out. We, we'd have breakfast. We'd have lunch or dinner, whatever it be. We'd go out with the manager. That's how it was. It built the relationship with the beat guys. And I was one of them at the Gannett newspaper chain. Do you, way back Rich, then. do you think do you think the camera and the scrum of the press post game, even though that's more scripted and you could still do your work when the camera's off, do you think that creates somewhat of a wall for there's a wall right now and maybe I don't know, I don't I I don't watch yeah. enough of Aaron Boone. You cover the Yankees a little bit, maybe you could answer this. The Yankees to me market themselves great. They put people in their place. The media never yeah. steps out of line, and it's not just the pinstripes and winning. They know they mess around over there. They're done. Zillow's not putting up with it. Here, they mess around, and they push, and they push, and they push. And part of it is the narrative. The Yankees are the team that could win and will give them their pla- uh, platitudes. The Mets are the team that they could get their drama from. Uh, and, and now it makes for a good mix of baseball coverage throughout the summer. Uh, but to me, Ooh. I agree with you. And Rich Coutinho has been on this show and talked about it. And he's 100% right. Anytime you work with somebody, whether it's internally or externally, they're stakeholders. The media is a stakeholder in the manager. Um, you you got to you. Uh, yeah. be able to have a relationship. You do. You so have to. You um, have to. You know, I just care. He tried. He tried. Yeah. That, the, 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 that's where it's different. We didn't have that years ago, the scrum. Okay, and I have another word for it. I'm not going to say it on the air. We we we, we didn't have that. We had more of the one-on-one relationship. Whether it's a policy that Major League Baseball wants or the individual individual teams, uh, it doesn't work, and it divides it more than rather making it better. And I think Mickey tried to do that. I think Mickey tried to make it more personable, but these guys never could adapt to him. They just I mean, I, I don't want to even say right here with you, Mike, on this podcast, what these guys were saying about him up in the press box, laughing, mimicking him, laughing, saying these most ridiculous, childish things that had nothing related to baseball what was going on the field and uh, questioning every move. I mean, it just went on and on and on this year. Uh, and he said, when is this going to end? They're practically firing this guy. And that's what right. happened. I mean, we knew. And we knew it was eventually going to happen. All right. And again, I, I, whether there was this closeness with the media or not, in-game decisions that didn't work out, whatever it be, uh, this was a, a comes down to, again, that Brody wants his own guy, and Brody's going to get the guy he wants now to manage his team. And you go to two years ago when Mickey was hired, which was uh, uh, they were applauding it. The Mets were in the right direction. Yeah, it was Sandy Alveson's move. But it wasn't the right move at the beginning because 
this was a guy with no managerial experience coming to this big market town of New York as manager of the New York Mets. And you need in New York, as you mentioned, experience. You need someone with managerial experience. But Mickey Coway tried to, he grew with it. He grew on the job. And most of all, developed the respect of his players. And the second half surge, as I wrote in my column yesterday, as J.D. Davis said, as other players have told me that I didn't write about in that column, the second half surge is attributed to their manager who kept pushing them and, and did not cave in, as was said. Rich, uh, and that's a good point. There were other players that you didn't write about. Just like yeah, the, mainstream did, yeah. had, the mainstream had anonymous guys that had Mickey critics. Uh, you know, you had uh, on the record guy and off the record guys that were in the in the uh, the Mickey uh, corner. I said I I don't want. I mean, look, I'm open to listening to about a David Cohn or Tron or Joe McEwing or any of these guys. But where they are now, the critical point where this team is now, they have to go with one of those three big names. That's my opinion. But you had mentioned Chip Hale. Oh. Is Chip Hale? If you had to give one sleeper, a sleeper name that's not one of those three big guys. That you're intrigued by is that Chip Hale, who I don't even know if is you know even interested. Well, but, I, or are there other names I, that you would be you'd be interested I, in learning I, more about? I think De Francesco, De Francesco, the manager of Syracuse, is a guy to look at. You know, I they might want to keep this within and look at his background, what experience as a manager, briefly on a major league level again with the Astros. But the fact that he knows uh, a lot of – knows the system as well. He's the organizational man and has managerial experience. And, and he's a New Yorker as well. Uh, will Met fans like that? Probably not. But uh, he would end up being good. And he's But who it's going to be is anyone's guess right now. It's got to be someone that Brody wants. That's for sure. Yep, and he's going to own it, and it's going to be his uh, manager. Yeah, and if things go and bad next got, year, right? Then yeah, he's it's out on the him. door, right? Yeah, hits him. So, you I, know, I, I, you're it, not going to hear like, me. Like, like, <laughs> you know, this is this is what it is. That's why this team doesn't have that consistent winning formula because we see what's going on. They have right. No, they have to get stability. No, That's the one thing no with Terry Collins. I, I didn't yeah. like Collins. I didn't think I didn't think he was a good in-game manager. I thought he was a laissez-faire manager that was able to take the, the good veterans in the clubhouse and, and get them to uh, uh, get them to kind yeah. of keep things in order. And I'll tell you what, mm-hmm. uh, many of Terry Collins' teams were in the same position that Mickey Calloway's team was. You know, ten games under, under five hundred, July, right. and they packed it in. Uh, and with with maybe more talent, you know, there was you know there was the Mets, Mets were in purgatory in twenty eleven and twenty twelve. But if you look at those rosters, they weren't horrible. Uh, they weren't horrible rosters. And I always used to say, you know, Collins is not a different ma- difference maker. He's a gym teacher. He's like the gym teacher that's subbing in, just keeping order. And I'm right. not trying to be- belittle the man, yeah. but that was what mm-hmm. was good when they were in baseball purgatory because of Madoff. They needed mm-hmm. something more as they got to 2015, 2016, and they thought that Mickey was the guy. Now it's a difference maker. You need – the Mets are at the same point the Knicks were with Pat Riley, maybe where the mm-hmm. Giants were or the Jets were. When Bill Parcells came in, you know, the Jets in the 90s, the Giants in the early 80s, uh, Mike Keenan with the Rangers, you know, I'll go on and on and on and on. They're at a critical, critical point 
You can't keep doing this revolving door. It's not good for, like you said, the winning mindset. And you have winning players. And we'll, we'll end on this. You've got a, a guy emerging team leader in Pete Alonso. You've got you know a really good core of offensive of players. Uh, even if Zach Wheeler leaves, which it looks like he will, you still have a good rotation. And I think Seth Lugo might be a little sleeper there that could be just as good as Wheeler, if not better, if given the chance to start. There's a lot of good here that could go sideways very quickly, very quickly in uh, 2020. And this is a competitive division. Braves are going to be good. Yeah. The Nats are good. The Phillies will be pesky. The team that upgrades their bullpen may be the team to beat because every team is the same and all their bullpens are spotty. So this is an important move, uh, first move of the offseason, and then we'll talk about the roster another time. Uh, he can't be wrong, and I'm sorry. You know, going no. even with a DeFrancisco, there's a lot of risk, a lot of risk on that. He's got to go with a new it guy. Is. He's got to do it. It is, but I, I, I'm going to leave you off with this. I just don't see uh, Buck Showalter being the guy. Uh, there is a possibility that Joe Girardi can be. He's been, you know, at the ballpark a lot. He was city field a lot this past season. I even asked him, and straight out, I said, would you, this be a job you'd be interested in? Girardi said to me, any possibility? He says, managing is always, he, he wants to manage again. See, sure. In a roundabout way, I could tell that he'd love to be back in New York. But it comes down to this, and I'll leave you with this. You don't fire a guy who put the team, who, who was a big part of making sure and he was a big part of the Mets, too, and where, where they were. Yes, the players are part of it, but he motivated them, and he got whatever he did and whatever adjustments, and he worked well with it. You don't fire a guy with that second-half turnaround, three games off from that second wild card after you know the All-Star break. We were 11 games under, and there was everyone put the Mets for dead, as I wrote. You just don't fire a guy that, that did what he did the second half surge with one year remaining on the contract. He deserved to be back. Be a lame duck. Then if you decide afterwards, you want your own guy, do that. That's the po- the whole point of this. It was wrong. And it breaks up the chemistry of the team. And, and whoever, I, feel, listen, I don't know whoever, Mickey Calloway. Yeah. I feel for him. And I normally don't feel yeah. for managers. I don't know him mm-hmm. well enough. I've heard stories. This is horrible. And I'll, and I'll tell you my final yeah. point. I made this point in the open. Terry Francona was fired. A.J. Hinch was fired. Joe Girardi was fired in his first gig for different reasons. Joe Torre was fired numerous times, numerous times. And they went on to have good managerial careers. And I'm not saying that Mickey Calloway is going to be Terry Francona, but when Terry Francona speaks highly of somebody, you listen, and they did. Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised in four or five years. This guy's back somewhere else. And then the narrative will be, oh, Mickey's learned this, Mickey's learned that, and you can't learn in New York. Maybe the problem yeah. isn't maybe the problem isn't the managers coming here. Maybe the problem is New York and the media and what we do to make it. It's tough. This is a tough task. This is but a maybe tough we need to start evaluating because yeah. you know maybe you're making it too tough in the sense where it's unfairly tough. It's tough enough with the scrutiny. You don't need to add nonsense on top of it. That's how I leave you with that. And I really do believe you got. Uh, and I, and they're they are colleagues that I really don't deal with anymore. But uh, I really believe they don't know the game. That's what this is about too. They can write what they want, say what they want. They don't know the game. Okay, I'm not saying right. I'm an expert. Okay, no one is, and I'm not far from it. 
but I think I know a little more than they do. And I'm around and I talk to the right people. And most of all, have rapport with the players that they don't have. Okay? Right. And when you don't have the rapport with the players, okay, who tell you what's going on, whereas they think they get everything they want, that does the manager in as well because they're sure. spreading bad vibes. They're spread, Mike, they're spreading bad vibes. They're causing animosity. And this is what they want to do because it make, it's making them bigger. It's making them the, the name they want to be, regardless right. of what type of job they have. And one day they, they may be in the same position and not yeah. have a job and, and understand what it's what's like to not, yep. to not have a job. Yep. Exactly. Because yep. this that business what's is changing yep. every day. There's For something sure. else. Even right. a guy like me who's old school, still young, but old school, who's seen this rapid change in this industry, who has to struggle to do it, where they're sitting where they are, doing what they want, saying what they want to say. But in a few years, maybe even tomorrow, Mike, they may not have a job. And maybe they'll come back to earth and realize and and realize that this is not what you do. This isn't journalism. I hear you. Rich, you are a man of the people, a straight shooter. You do great work. I enjoy having you, you on. I know you're going to be doing some other things. I hope that uh, 2020 brings more yeah. Richman Kuso and Mets. Uh, we will talk off air, and I'm sure we'll talk all on air again. Be well. Yeah, let's thank do you this so much. in December. Let's do this soon. As soon as uh, right. Mike, as soon as we could get this manager situation situated, and the winter meetings will be coming up. I'm around for you any time. Keep up the great work, my friend. Thank you. Rich Mancuso, New York Sports Day. Great stuff. Interesting take. One of the only takes I've seen where he kind of gave you reasons why Mickey should stay and what the players who liked him think. Uh, Not only J.D. Davis, who's on the record, I know, and I won't give away who they are. There was a couple off the record, too, as well, that uh, were were very interesting. It was an interesting off-the-record conversation I had with, uh, with Rich Mancuso. Let's take a quick break. Wrap up. Final thoughts. You're listening to the Talking Mets podcast. We'll be back with more right after this. If, if the players know that somebody from upstairs is putting a lineup on the manager's desk, you might as well go home. You have no respect in the clubhouse. You have no respect whatsoever. I, I do come from an old school. I believe this. I believe the general manager has the right to give me the players. And once he gives me those players, I'm making out the lineup. And if he wants to make it out, he needs to get a different manager. It's that simple. Now, it's not that you don't listen, get opinions from your coaches and the baseball people. It's not that you're so bullheaded that you think you have all that. I don't mean it that way at all. I respect all that. But when other people, I mean, what do you need a manager for? This is not, we're not robots. This game is played by human beings. 98.6 temperature. That's the way it is. It's not played by robots. All right, we're back. Final thoughts. I thought Rich Mancuso did a great job. You got to hear an alternative point of view. I mean, there's not going to be many people out there that are going to defend Mickey Calloway. And, and again, I want to reiterate, like I said in the open, I, I understand why he, why you could make the point of him being fired. My only point now is this, is that you've disrupted some of the momentum. You've you know, taken a situation where you have players that that like the manager and you're you're rebooting it, you're bringing your own guy in. So there's going to be a getting to know period. You have to go with experience. And I'm telling you Joe Girardi makes so much sense because he's recent to New York. He's got experience, he can manage the media. I always say to you guys, 
You got to manage the clubhouse. You got to manage the media. You got to manage the bullpen. Now you even got to manage ownership. And that's my final point here. Because you heard the clip by Jim Leland. Managing the front office ownership or your bosses includes these analytics departments that want to hand you lineup cards and say, you got to do this. And this is the only way to go because the numbers say this. If you hire a manager, they should absolutely be collaborative. And I guess that's going to be the biggest question with a Girardi and a Buckshell Walter and a Dusty Baker or any of those older quote-unquote school managers. Can they be collaborative with the resources that are coming out of front offices, especially with the analytical uh, analytics departments? And I'm all for information because that's a good thing. The Mets were using some virtual reality technologies during parts of the season, which some of the players talked about that have helped them. They've used data and statistics to help players like Ahmed Rosario work with them on positioning and, and kind of how their their own process, their footwork, that's more like video. There's a lot of good stuff that comes out of this. But if the answer is to bring in a guy that is a gym teacher, could, you know, take care of everybody and make sure they don't, you know, throw the dodgeball too hard or run out of the lines too much or, or pick fights and the analytics department's going to run everything else. I don't want Adam Gutridge running my games. I'm sorry. I don't want a guy on the hard, I mean, this is all due respect because I'm sure he does great stuff. And I, and if he, if, and I'm, I'm giving Brody Van Wagen a ton of credit, a guy that was running a division at CAA, if he's bringing guys into his cabinet, then I think that that's a good move. But I don't want Adam Gutridge running my, my uh, team. And it's important that the manager gets to manage. And that's not going to happen unless you get one of those three big names. And I'm not willing to take a chance on an experienced non-New York guy. And I am not going to be excited about any of the alternative names, the Cones, the DeRosas, John Franco, you name it, something out there. And final thing, please, Mets fans, stop throwing names like David Wright out there, you know, Mike Piazza, because I know you love them as players. Just because you love them as players doesn't mean they want to manage or they can manage. You got to look at this. This isn't about a fan seeing your former favorite player in the dugout so you can get stories and get excited about it. This is about the right guy for the job. And forget about the fact that Girardi and Showalter and these guys were Yankees. Bring in some of the Yankee excellence here to the Mets is sorely needed. It's not a bad thing, especially if it's channeled appropriately. And that's what I'll leave you with. Anyway, I want to thank everybody here for joining me on this uh, podcast a little bit earlier than Sunday. I told you I'd be coming back to you. Uh, what's next? Well, we're probably going to take some time off as the postseason. Yankees kick off tonight. And, uh, you know, there'll be news, I'm sure, with some interviews and things of that nature. But uh, for the most part, I think we're going to take a couple of weeks off here. But we'll be keeping an eye on the news. If anything comes up that's uh, worthwhile, we'll pop in with a special edition. But the next time that we'll be back on the regular schedule will be after the World Series. And when the GM meetings start, we'll start to get back into the swing of things. Uh, and I have a feeling that it's going to be interviews, but I don't think the Mets, and I, I said that the last time, but they hired Callaway. Unless they really have to jump on somebody, I don't know if they're going to hire somebody very quickly. Or at least uh, the, the league is not going to want them to hire somebody uh, during the playoffs, and especially if it's a big name and take away the spotlight. But who knows? I mean, in this, this day and age, who the heck knows what's going to go on. I want to thank everybody for tuning in here to this special edition podcast. Of course, the best way to listen to this podcast is on Apple Podcasts. We're also on Spotify. You can check me out all the time at TalkingMetsPodcast.com. Send me a tweet at MikeSilvaMedia. And I, again, thank you so much for tuning in and supporting me here 
during the 2019 season. I'm your host, Mike Silva. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the playoff games. If you're spending time watching them, we'll be back with another podcast pretty soon. Take care, everybody. You sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.